Welcome to the Lake Point Church Weekend Messages Podcast. Thanks for joining us to hear the latest sermons happening at our church. We pray that God speaks to you in a timely way through this message. And if you're encouraged by this podcast, be sure to rate, review, and share it to help get the word out. You can find more digital content to feed your faith and our other podcasts by visiting lakepoint.church/digital. Now, let's tune into the message for today. Church, so good to be with you today. If we haven't met yet, like Greg said, my name is Mark McCartney, and I oversee our campuses and our missions here at Lake Point. Uh, my wife Robin and I have been here 23 years. We absolutely love this church. We've raised our daughters here. Macy's a sophomore at Baylor, and Mallory is a senior at Rockwall High School, and this is a great church to raise a family in and be a part of it, so we love getting to be with you today. Now, people ask me all the time because of my work in missions, what's the craziest thing I've ever seen on a mission trip? It's actually very easy to answer, and it was my first trip to South Africa. How many of you know there are lots of animals in South Africa? Well, among those animals are snakes. Okay, they've got the cobra, the one that like spits in your eyes. They got the green mamba. They got the black mamba. Okay, turn to your neighbor and tell them in one word how you feel about snakes. <laughs> yeah, I would ask you to say it out loud, but this is a church, so we're not gonna do that. Um, mine is tell the devil, no, not today. That's my one word. Yeah, not, no snakes for me. Don't like them at all. And so I'm going to South Africa, and I've got a friend that grew up there, and he says, no problem, Mark, here's what you do. He goes, when you get there and you get into any rural area, get a stick and just kind of tap it on the ground. He says, the snakes will feel the vibration. They won't come anywhere near you. I have no idea if that is true, but it worked for me. So I'm like four days in, and I'm starting to like not get so stressed out about getting bit by a snake. Haven't seen any snakes, but what I've seen is this country is like breathtakingly beautiful. Like, it's amazing for anyone who's been to South Africa. It's a beautiful country. And they've got, like, oceans there. Did you know that? Yeah, it's kind of on the bottom there. So they've got the Indian Ocean where we work. And our hotel is, like, four, 500 yards from the Indian Ocean. So we're going about um, our trip, and I keep telling my team, we got to get to the ocean someday. Like, I want to get in the Indian Ocean. I've never been in the Indian Ocean. And so one day, we've got a 30-minute window and we decide, let's go get in the ocean. So there's just a handful of us, and we go to the beach. Don't even take any towels with us. We're like going. But I take my stick, and we're walking through a wooded area, and I'm tapping it, and I'm tapping it. All good. Get into the water. I love it. It's freezing cold, which I love. It's awesome, amazing experience. Get out, soaking wet, no towel. Grab my stick, tap, tap, tap. Walk the 400 yards back to our hotel, did I mention they have a lot of electric fences in South Africa? Did I mention I didn't bring a towel, so I'm soaking wet? So I go with my hand on the handle of the electric fence, and just as about, I'm about to open it, my stick is right here, I hear my friend behind me call my name, and it distracts me, and I lean my stick over when I look. 
and I hit the electric fence with my stick and a current comes through and it goes through my hand, up my arm, to my shoulder, down my foot into the earth and bounces back up my foot through my skull. And if I'm gonna tell you what happened next, I need you to promise that you won't tell anyone else. (laughs) Turn to your neighbor and say, I promise. Okay, okay, you promised, right? Okay, what happened next, I really don't remember, but I'm told I made a sound that can only be described as something a four-year-old girl would make. (laughs) Yeah, I screamed like a girl. It was a visceral reaction, people. I just got electrocuted, okay? What I can tell you is the next two days, this whole side of my body was numb, and I was like walking like this, like in a half circle everywhere I went. But that was the most shocking, uh, most exciting thing that's ever happened to me on a trip. But that wasn't the best thing about that trip. The best thing about that trip was I got to meet Pastor Trevor and our partners there in South Africa. Now, I've been here a long time. So I had seen Pastor Trevor like on this stage before. I'd seen videos about him. I'd even talked to people who had been to South Africa. But it was different when I saw for myself. When I got to experience for myself what's going on there. And for those of you that haven't had that experience or don't know Pastor Trevor, the best way for me to describe what's going on in South Africa is maybe to describe how we met him. It was about 15 years ago, and Pastor Steve was going with a group of pastors to South Africa because at that time, the AIDS pandemic was at its height. It was the number one killer in the world. And the area that we were working in in South Africa was the highest concentration. So a group of pastors came to figure out, is there anything we can do to help? So they held a conference, and at the conference there were 100 churches, and church leader by church leader rose their hand and said, we need help fighting AIDS. We need help fighting AIDS. We need help fighting AIDS. And then there's this one guy, one out of 100. Pastor Trevor says, we're fighting AIDS. We said, really, what are you doing? He said, we've opened up a hospice care facility at our church. We have 20 beds, and when our local government says that they have someone who's going to die and they have no family members and no one to care for them, we say, we'll take them. And they take them in and they clothe them and they bathe them, they clean them, they feed them, they administer the medications, they pray for them, they share the gospel. In Lake Point, would you believe 15 years later, now they have 40 beds at their church, more than 50% of the people that were condemned to die that came into their church have lived. More than 50% have lived. Because this church loved on them and cared for them and did whatever they had to. And there's actually a principle at work here with this church that we see with each and every church we partner with. And that is they refuse to wait for someone else to come up with a solution. They refuse to wait for someone else to come up with a solution. They weren't waiting for the American church to come up with the idea. They weren't waiting for the American church to come up with the finances or the resources. No, they saw problems in their own neighborhoods, in their own culture, in their own society, and they said, we have to act. This is actually a very biblical concept. James 4, 17 says it this way. It is sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. Did you know that? If you know there's like a good thing that you should do, that you could do and you don't do it, that's actually sin. Well, the churches that we work with refuse to wait for someone else to come up with a solution. They refuse to wait. And that should give you great confidence, Lake Point, as you consider how you're gonna find your place in what we're doing around the world in missions. 
We've been in a series entitled Forward where we're celebrating our 40th anniversary as a church. And we're absolutely looking back and thanking God for what he has done. But really more than that, we're looking forward because we believe our best days are ahead of us. My wife Robin and I, we've been here 23 years and we love our church. We love it. And we know the best is yet to come. Anyone else sense that? Anyone else feel that at Lake Point? Where you believe that God's not done with us yet? That the best is yet to come? That there is more and more and more that he wants to do? And so today we're gonna talk about missions. And we talk about missions a lot at Lake Point because we believe God talks about missions a lot. And we make a big deal of it because God makes a big deal of it. And when you think about it, every one of us is here today because someone else was on mission. You ever thought about that? Every one of us is here today because someone else was on mission. Someone else invited you. Someone else was praying for you. Someone else shared the gospel with you. Maybe someone else gave you a scholarship so you could go to that camp or that thing. Every one of us is here today because someone else was on mission. Who is that in your life? Who was on mission in your life to get you here today? I know for me, it was my mom and dad. See, my dad was 33 years old when he crossed the line of faith and became a follower of Jesus Christ. And there is something that happens, have you seen this? When adults make that decision to come to Christ. Like, it's a radical change, and it was a radical change in my family. And as a result of that, we knew in our house that Jesus Christ was Lord. And my dad was on mission, and my mom was on mission, and that, that's why I'm here. Who was on mission for you? Because every one of us is here today because someone else was on mission. And we're on mission because God calls us to be on mission. And we wanna make it very clear at Lake Point how we are to be on mission. We are to pray, and we are to give, and we are to go. And we believe that's really the clear call the Bible gives. Uh, it's set up the entire story of the Bible and there's story after story and verse after verse that teach us our responses to pray and give and go. And today we're gonna look briefly at one scripture that you probably have never thought of as a missions verse, but I bet after today you will. Uh, take a look at Ephesians 1.5. Ephesians 1.5 says this. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. If you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus, this is telling you that God decided a long time ago he wanted you in his family. So much so that he would send his son, Jesus Christ, to the earth to die for your sins. He wanted you in his family, and it says it gave him great pleasure to get you in his family. Isn't that amazing? Now, I realize there are people here that aren't followers of Christ. You're here and you're checking things out. You haven't made that decision yet. And first of all, welcome. We're glad you're here. But I want you to consider that maybe this verse is for you. Maybe you're not here on accident today, but for a purpose. I believe God wants you in his family and it would delight him. It would give him joy if you became a part of his family. I can tell you, I want you in our family. I want you to be a part of it. You see, because the Bible shows us that God's plan is to bring as many people as possible into his family. And the way that he does that is by sending his children out on mission to share his love and to share his love to others. See, our God is a missionary God. 
God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to the earth. Did you catch that? God sent his son. God could have chosen any other way to get his love across, to get his word across, to get his mission across. He chose to send. And God is sending you and I. And he's sending us to pray and to give and to go. Now I want you to raise your hand at all of our campuses. Raise your hand if you have someone in your life that prays for you on a regular basis. Go ahead and raise your hand, keep it up high. Okay, raise your hand if you have someone, keep them up, raise your hand if you have someone in your neighborhood who's a Christian. Raise your hand. Okay, keep them up. I wanna look around in a second. Raise your hand if you have someone at your workplace who's a Christian. Everyone, all our campuses, raise your hand. Now look around. I would say most people have their hands raised. Okay, you can put your hands down now. And I want you to consider this fact. As we think about our brothers and sisters across the globe, many of them can't raise their hands. Many of them don't have those opportunities. And we're gonna talk about how we can pray and give and go and as we hone in on how we can pray, I can't help but think about our partner church in Vietnam. You see, it was last year that we had a couple of different groups praying for our partner church. And um, we had some life group leaders and we had some staff that had focused in and gotten these prayer cards like the one I have in my hand. This is the one I got. And these prayer cards were people at the churches we work with. And this guy is from Vietnam. And it shows his name, his age, his occupation, and it shows his prayer request. So I started praying for him, and then we gave this idea to our students, and they actually took it a step further. They focused specifically on Vietnam, and they, um, they started to write like handwritten prayer requests last summer at Journey Camp for people in the church in Vietnam. Well, it was a year ago this week that I got to take those handwritten prayer requests to Vietnam. And when I got there, I got to the church with Pastor Tuan, and we walked in the church building and immediately I looked across the hall and I saw a familiar face. And I had my prayer profile with me and I said, Tuan, is this the same person that's across the hall from me? He said, yeah, that's Jameson. He's gonna be your translator this week. I said, are you serious? I've been praying for him for like months. He goes, yeah. <clears throat> so the service ends and I make a beeline over to Jameson to introduce myself and to tell him that I've been praying for him. And we start talking about his prayer requests and see that God's working. Like God's on the move in his life and it was so cool. But then later in the week it was even better because that's when I delivered those handwritten prayers from our students. Lake Point, I wish you could have been with me. I wish you could have experienced what I experienced in that moment. Um, it was like deep, it was thick. There was something going on that's hard to describe. As people were reading the prayer requests, some were laughing, some were joyful, others were crying, others were mourning. One uh, girl in particular was almost wailing, and I asked Jameson, I said, what, what's going on here? He said, well, she just found out that her sister who has cancer last week, that she's healed. And she's reading a prayer from a girl named Jessica from Texas in the United States praying for her sister. And it's just overwhelming to her. <laughs> so I carried that, carried that in my heart and I thought about that a lot and I came home and I told a few people and I just kept thinking about that. Well, it was a few months later, earlier this year, I had a chance to go back to Vietnam 
And when I went back, I got to see Jameson again and we got to hang out and I got to find out that one of his prayer requests about his future, God was answering it and he was gonna be a part of a team that was gonna plant a new church in Ho Chi Minh City. That was very exciting. But then people kept coming up to me and they would have these handwritten prayers and they would just tell me about the impact that people were having in, in Texas, in America, in their lives. And I was getting close enough to Jameson where I said, Jameson, help me understand something here, man. <clears throat> like, I love you, bro, and I pray for you every day, and guess what, it takes like one minute. Like, I pray for you for a minute, like, why does this mean so much? And I'll never forget this, because the very countenance on Jameson's face changed. He's a very stoic person, and it changed. He said, you, you don't understand, Mark. He said, look around this room. There are probably about 80 people from the church in the room. He said, no one in this room has anyone else who's a Christian in their life. He's like, it's not like we have like some grandmother who's been praying for us our whole lives or another, an aunt or someone who's just been praying for us. He said, it's not like we have someone in our neighborhoods who we can talk to about the faith. He said, I know for a fact that no one in this room right now works with anyone else who's a Christian. So when we find out that there are people in Texas, in the United States of America, that are praying for us and they have our face and they know our name and they know our specific prayer request, he said, what it tells us is what the Bible says, when the Bible says we're a part of the family of God, it's real, it's true that we really are a part of God's family. And that's what happens, Lake Point, when you pray. That's what happens. You fill our brothers and sisters with the love of Christ. I think the book of Ephesians gives us some great insight as we seek to find our place in God's mission. The first three chapters talk about God's story and the last three chapters talk about our story. Now, God's story is that he loves you more than you can imagine. He loves you so much that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for your sins and for my sins. And there's nothing we can do to merit that love or to earn that love. It's freely given. But it doesn't stop there. God, in his love for you, invites you into his family. And let's be honest, many of us have been longing for family our whole lives. We've wanted a place where we could actually fit in and be a part just because of who we are. And God says, that's me, I want you just like you are. Come in, I want you in my family. And it doesn't stop there. Um, we become a part of his family, we have a new identity, but also he wants us to experience his power. Ephesians 1.19 says, God wants you to experience the immeasurable greatness of his power. So that begs the question, if, if we're a part of God's family and he loves us so much and he gives us like access to his power, then why don't we see it? Why don't you experience God's power more in your life? That's where the second half of Ephesians comes in. That's our story. And that's where we learn that we're a part of the God's family and our new identity in that as family members. And we're gonna take a look at Ephesians 4, verses 11 through 13, because it gives us great insight into how we can experience God's power in our life and what our role is in the family. It says, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ 
until we all attain to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. You see, we all have a place in the family. We all have something we get to do. We all have passions, skills, gifts, abilities. And so if you ever feel bored in church or bored in your faith, it's likely because you're not using God's gifts for his glory. You haven't activated your faith. You haven't gotten the game. You haven't found your place. So you're not experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit's presence in your life. And so this verse also helps us um, address a myth that I think is keeping us from experiencing that power. Did you know it's not the pastor's job to do the work of ministry? Did you know that? That's a myth we have, that the pastors do ministry. According to this verse, it's not the pastor's job. It says the pastor's job is to equip the saints to do the ministry. That, that begs a question, who are the saints? The saints are anyone who has Jesus in their life. Anyone who has surrendered their life to Christ. The Christians are the saints. So if you're a follower of Christ, that means you're a saint. Now, I don't know if anyone has called you a saint this week or this month or this year or ever, but guess what? Almighty God calls you a saint. And look what happens when we flip this myth. You see, when we think that it's the pastor's job, like the handful of pastors that are in this room today, when we think it's their job to do the ministry, we don't engage. But when we realize it's our job, the saint's job to do the ministry, then we engage. And here's what happened. God pours out his power through the saints, that's you, as they use their gifts out in the community. God pours out his power. So if the pastors do all the work, then we can't reach the fullness of who we are, according to this verse. So every message that Pastor Josh and Pastor Steve preach, every time you go to life group, any Bible study you're a part of, you're a part of it as a part of your equipping. And we equip for action. So we will do the work of ministry. And what's the result when this happens, when we all are equipped and we are all active? It says the body is built up. We attain unity. We mature. We become our full selves in Christ. Who wants to be their full self in Christ? Who wants to be all that Christ intended you to be? This is when someone would say me. I want to. Here's what happens. When the saints are activated, we all win. We all get in the game. Because according to this verse, since we're a family, I can't reach my full measure in Christ unless you activate your faith. And you can't reach your full measure unless I activate my faith. You need to find your place and get in the game. So here's the deal. If Jesus is your Lord and Savior, then guess what? You are a saint and you are called by Almighty God to do works of ministry. And as you do ministry, you grow, I grow, and we all grow. And so today, as we're talking about missions and how you can find your place in all of that, I want you to discover how you can pray and give and go. And I mentioned before that we partner with some of the most amazing churches in the world, churches who refuse to wait for someone else to come up with a solution. One of those churches is Crossroads Church in Bangalore, India. 
Crossroads is thriving in the midst of intense political and societal persecution, where government and families are against the cause of Christ, where the caste system still has influence to this day, which means that people, based on the family that they're born into, will already know the access they'll get to education, to medicine, to jobs, just based on the family they're born into. And churches haven't figured out what to do. They've been overcome by the caste system, so they just minister to one caste. Not so with Crossroads Church. Now, Crossroads Church, by the grace of God, has figured out how to reach people in India. And when you go to one of their services, it's like a slice of heaven. Because when you walk in their doors, you see all people. You see people from every caste, every socioeconomic status, every color, all gathering under one roof to worship the God of the universe. And what that does is it screams to their culture that God is real and he wants you and his family. It's not just for one caste. It's not just for one person. It's not for the elite. It's not for the poor. It's for everyone. God wants all of us into his family. And that's what happens at Crossroads Church. And as, as you think about um, the impact of your giving when you give to Lake Point, I want you to think about Crossroads because uh, when we give, we enable it to, them to do more than they could do without us. And so at Crossroads, they're gonna put on a vacation Bible school every year. And they can afford to put it on for the kids at their church and it's always gonna be good. But what happens is when we partner with them, we give them resources so they can put it on for any kid everywhere. And that's what they do. And for the last five years, we've been partnering to put on a VBS. And, and two years ago, this is really cool. They had 121 kids not from their church pray to receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior at that VBS. 121 joined our family. And it gets better than that. They actually have 40 of those kids were from local orphanages. And they were bussed in because we provided the finances for those buses. And they were busted, and these kids that are living in these orphanages, they're living in difficult circumstances. Circumstances that you and I really don't wanna talk about, that we'd rather not know about. It's tough, it's not a way that any kid should grow up. We know for a fact that many of these kids are there because their parents were involved in human trafficking because of drug abuse, because of other abuse. In fact, I want you to think about Kishore. Kishore was six years old when his dad drunk himself to death. That time his mom was pregnant and with his sister, she was HIV positive. Sister was born HIV positive, there were complications. It took a year later, but mom died. So now Kishore's seven. He's got a one-year-old sister who's HIV positive and they're put in an orphanage. And even at seven, he understands that he has got to protect his sister. And so his protective instincts kick in and he starts to harden his heart. Harden his heart about anything. And it's tough where they're at. So 10 years later, now Kishore is 17 and his sister is 11. And he's really all but given up. He's dropped out of school. He's about to age out of the system and really just become another statistic. And Crossroads Church comes. And they come with one of those buses. And they come inviting kids, any kid to come. And Kishore says yes, really, because he wants his 11-year-old sister to go. 
He had no idea what God was gonna do to him. Because when he walked into Crossroads Church, he felt something he had never felt before in his life, and it was love. It was the love of Christ, the love of a savior. He felt seen and heard in a way he had never felt seen and heard, where people would look at him from the church like he was a human. And when they would talk to him, they would listen for his response, and they actually cared what he had to say. And so the love of Christ compelled him, and he crossed the line of faith and surrendered his life to Jesus at that VBS. And that's worthy of praise, but it gets better. Because his 11-year-old sister, she too is starting to encounter the love of Christ for the first time. In fact, women at the church, they're like smiling at her and giving her hugs, and she doesn't have to do anything to earn it. And men at the church, they don't want anything from her. They're just there to support her and to love on her. And she too starts to see the love of Christ, and she too surrenders her life to Jesus. And it gets better than that, Lake Point, because Crossroads Church... They're in it. They're in it for the long haul. They'll do whatever it takes. So they start to send people to the orphanage once a week, every week, to bring a home-cooked meal and to care for these kids and to disciple them. And they get Kishore back into school. And he's able to graduate and get a job. And now he's on his own making a living. And when Kishore and his sister go back to Lake to a Crossroads Church, the church that they love, here's what they say. They say, this is, the, this is the place where we feel known and we feel loved. Yeah, you can clap for that. Lake Point Church, God did it. God did it. God saved and rescued him, but he used you. And I think he wants to use you again and again and again. I believe he wants you to pray. And when you pray, he uses that to encourage his people. I believe he wants you to give. And when you give, God uses that to show off his love. And I believe he wants you to go. And when you go, God transforms you in such a unique and powerful way. Let's watch this video about two Lake Point families who can testify that once you go, you will never be the same. We just wanna show them God's love and that they're worth something because all their life they've been told that they're worthless because of where they live and um, the conditions that they're in. So we're just here to show them like God made you for a reason and you are loved and you are enough. It was coming up on my junior summer and they were talking about international mission trips and I've always wanted to go on one because I love to travel, but I was really hesitant because that was gonna be my first time out of the country and I was like, I don't know if this is something I can do, but it just everywhere I went, I saw something about Guatemala. Someone was talking about it, it was on social media, just somehow I saw it and I'm like, okay God, I understand. Like. So I just took that step. I went to the meeting, the interest meeting, and I decided that this is something I really wanted to do. My dad and I went to Guatemala last year together, and it changed our lives so much that we're like, okay, well, we need our whole family to come. So we brought along my mom and my sister with us. Serving with your family definitely creates a closer bond that you can't get around a dinner table or on vacation. It's something really special that you can only experience when you go on mission together. 
we've been partnering with Libria and Fancia. They take kids from the Guatemala City dump and they give them education, clothes, food. They provide all that stuff for them. We held a VBS today. We took them to an amusement park and we just really give them a day that they'll never forget. God's just put something on my heart, uh, particularly with kids, and this week we've spent two days with uh, kids from Libra Infancia, and those are kids that live in the dump. What, what they know and what they think is that the world doesn't care about them, that they live in a dump, that they're worthless, and, and they're not, they're God's children. They're, they're hungry, they're starving. The babies that they, they take there, they give them milk and food um, because they don't have any. The parents actually sometimes are letting them sniff glue because it dulls their senses and then they don't know that they're hungry so they don't scream and cry all the time. And that just breaks your heart that you know children under the age of one don't have anything to eat and they're screaming and their parents are going to those type of means to try to get them to, to stop crying and, and not hurt and to be able to put your arms around them, love on them, and to see how they come in a little bit timid. Um, but the message that we delivered, the Bible verses that we learned, the time that we spent with them, just to show them and tell them that they're loved. They're loved by us and they're loved by Christ. Last year was the first trip that I took with my son. I spent the day with Libra and Fancy. We both came up and, and afterwards we were just crying. It was just something that we shared together, the love um, for these kids, and we wanted to come back. We took that home, and, um, and we shared that with my wife and my daughter, and they wanted um, to come back. So uh, we came back as a family. So this is our first mission trip together as a family, um, and we'll be coming back many more times. It's in all of our hearts in our family, so this will be where we choose to serve. It's scary, it's terrifying. You can get really anxious about it, but in the end, it pays off tenfold. Um, it just changes your uh, perspective on things, your love and appreciation. Um, it just really touches your heart. It was a really big step out of my comfort zone, but it's something that you have to do and it's something that you're called to do. I believe that Almighty God wants to activate you, wants to get you in the game, wants to help you find your place. And I know many of you are, are ready and you're just like, what's my next step? And so we have booths at the back of the room where you can go and talk to people at different ministries from the countries we work with to national missions to local missions and find out your place to pray and to give and to go. And you can also take out your phones right now. Go ahead and take these out. Because what I'm gonna do is ask you to text the word missions to 469-698-3949. And here's what's gonna happen when you do that. When you text the word missions to this number, you're gonna receive a text back that will just prompt you on getting information about, specific information about praying or giving or going on a trip or serving locally right to your phone. So that's 469 698 39 49. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you are at work and you are at work here 
you're at work in Guatemala, South Africa, India, Vietnam, and you're gonna do what you need to do to get people in your family, and we get to join you. And that is our privilege, Lord. And we love you and we thank you. And I pray that each of us would find our place as we figure out how we can pray and give and go for your glory. We love you, Jesus. Thanks for listening today. For more biblical teaching and worship, join us for our church online live weekend services on Saturdays at 5 p.m. and Sundays at 9.30 and 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. For more information about all the digital ministries of Lake Point, visit lakepoint.church/digital. Thank you.